0: All right, uh, welcome back to another episode of Extra AI, the podcast series on AI and machine learning applications. And this is your host, Raghu Banda. Today we have a very special guest joining us, Mr. Patrick McFadden from DataStax, a very renowned figure in the world of database technology. So in this episode, we are gonna be diving into the fascinating world of vector databases and their role in powering production level generative AI. Patrick, with his extensive expertise, will help us unravel the complexities and potential of vector databases in supporting advanced AI applications. We'll explore how these databases are revolutionizing the way we store, access, and analyze data, making generative AI more efficient and effective than ever before. We'll also be talking a bit more under the AstraDB uh, from Data Stacks, which gives developers the APIs, real-time data, and complete ecosystem integrations to put accurate RAG and Gen AI apps in production much faster. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this enlightening conversation with Mr. Patrick McFadden as we uncover the secrets of vector databases and their pivotal role in the future of generative AI. All right, uh, welcome back uh, to Extra AI, a podcast series on AI and machine learning applications. Today, I have an interesting conversation. And we are going to talk about vector databases for production level generative AI. And I have the honor of inviting Patrick McFadden from DataStax. Welcome on board, Patrick. Uh, Thanks, can you tell us a little? Can you tell us a little bit of a background about you and how you are connected with the AI, or maybe specifically about Vector
1: databases in the context of generative AI. Sure. Uh. Well, I mean, my background uh is in data. I've probably worked with various data systems, uh, especially storing data and r- retrieving data for oh a long time, twenty plus years, thirty years almost. Um. I you know, and I've worked with all kinds of systems. Um. You know, in my for the past uh probably about 12 years, I've been working pretty exclusively on Apache Cassandra as a scale problem. Um, and that was just really born of me. I was working at high scale web properties that were having scale issues with data. And I was trying to solve that. And so during the NoSQL times, you know, we were all mm-hmm. trying to solve those problems, but we're also doing like large scale analytics. So I got involved pretty heavily with the Apache Cassandra project. Uh, And then eventually the Apache Spark project did quite Mm -hmm. a bit with Spark. And, you know, you just can't get involved in those without doing any kind of analytics, ML, and then eventually AI. Um, And just lately uh, I I published a book recently um, managing cloud native data in Kubernetes. And there was a particular chapter on running AI workloads, especially vector Mm -hmm. databases in Kubernetes. So that was, so that started for me a couple of years ago and, um, just kind of bringing it all up to today, uh, I've been working pretty heavily with the Apache Cassandra project on when we added vector as a, as a type for the database. So that's what got me here today. Awesome. Awesome. And
0: great to know that uh, you're an author as well. So I
1: have a, a Riley thing. author, <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So before we get into our uh, real meat of the conversation, I would like to hear a bit of your experience getting into AI or generative AI. I know there's a lot of buzz going on currently with all this advancements in AI, I might say, maybe we are almost one year, right? I think with the introduction of ChatGPT, but I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of things were happening in the background for quite a while. And since you have you have been in this space, uh, in the ID field for a little over thirty years, I know you might have seen the journey as well. Can you provide some thoughts around the upcoming AI advancements? That how is influencing uh, in the current world, and how you have been influenced?
1: Yeah, I think uh, like everybody, um, November of 2022 was a big moment, right? Um, but before then, my my experience with AI was more on inference. And mm-hmm. I think that's where most people were. Um, and it's interesting because I think back and like, we I had been working with a lot of systems around uh, NLP, natural language processing, which as I learned later, like, oh, well, this is where a lot of what's happening in chat, GPT, LLMs, that was all based on that. And it was just really funny. Like, oh, this thing I was paying attention to years ago um you know four years is showing up now as a different manifestation and i think i'm not gonna lie to you say oh i was doing this back in the day No, nope. i'm like everyone else it shocked me but i think just like everyone else you should look at we all have a wealth of experience we can bring and my experience working with data and experiencing some of the things i had in generative or non-generative ai like inference um they translate, so we're not all starting from scratch. <laughs> we 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 have um, we do have some backstop of knowledge, but uh, it's just been like in the last year that it's really picked up. Um, and it what I think what got me thinking about it more was this promise of AI that has been in I think as long as I've been a computer engineer and computer scientist, we've been hearing mm-hmm. this promise. And it just—I I don't know about you, Ragu, but it seemed like now this was possible. The thing that everyone right. said was possible could happen, and that's exciting, for especially when we've been waiting this long, right? <laughs>
0: right, right. Yeah. You no, know, that's great. I think yeah, I believe. I think uh, back in those days, in late uh, mid '80s and early '90s, there is a lot of talk about expert systems or AI in a different way. But I think now all that is coming to fruition in different way, I think, uh, and with the inception or with, with the uh, with generative AI and with these large language models that happened now about 2022, 2022 like you've mentioned, uh, it's it's now even open to the common man. I think a lot of people are even talking about it. And many right. enterprises and consumer companies yeah. are also talking about it.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that's just it. I mean, I, so I was doing agent research in the mid nineties. And Mm -hmm. the agents that we were building were based on, I mean, I was running them on sun, big sun servers and they were using RPC and, you know, communicating that way. And it was some of the groundwork of like, and it wouldn't be too weird if you saw an agent today versus an agent then it's not a new concept, but we abandoned them because most of it was really procedural because it, You had to be very clear on what you wanted an agent to do and have very defined logic and any kind of deviation, everything fell apart. It was like a house of cards. And so I, you know, I, that's the thing that I think is really interesting now is like, it's like, you know, the Newton, you know, it was the iPhone before the iPhone. It was just ahead of its time. And we were doing We were like, Ooh, agents would be cool, but there was no technology ready for that at the time. (laughs)
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So maybe I think uh, we'll take a quick break and come back and get into our real meetup for uh, today's conversation. All right, so welcome back. Let us now get into our uh, today's topic. But before getting into the, uh, talking about the vector databases and uh, generative AI, I would first like to get a few thoughts uh, about how AI is transforming enterprises and consumer businesses. Uh, Patrick, do you want to say or provide a few thoughts around that?
1: Well, right now it's, it's disrupting every enterprise and consumer business, right? I mean, I've, if you're a developer and you're working at any company, you you know, what's up. <laughs> Everyone's asking what's our, what's our plan. Um, but beyond that, I think it's, it's sure opened up a, a lot of different use cases that, again, were not possible. And, um, you know, this transformation is like, okay, what do we, we've had chatbots forever. We've had, you know, these uh, automated phone trees. We've had all these things that are terrible. Why? Because they just offer really terrible customer experience. Um, With with large language models, uh, you know, I, I, I say like, this is one of my things about large language models is that they've They've opened the door for fluid human communication with with a computer program of some sort like so logic behind the scenes mm-hmm. and you know what what can you what would you could not do with that? It's just pretty amazing so I think of like this transformation that's happening now is just as important as like anything like the internet was uh, you know when the internet started it allowed people to order a book online wow <laughs> um. Right. But now we have this ability, and and I don't think we really know how big of a transformation this will be yet. I think it's still in the speculation phase. Everyone's doing chatbots, right? But right. This, 2024 is gonna be a big year.
0: True, true. I completely agree with what you're saying, there. your uh, thoughts and sentiments. Like, uh, there's gonna be a lot of change in a lot of things coming up in 2024. So now, in the context of, uh, yeah, we've been talking about or how AI is transforming enterprises and all, but before getting into the more further uh, talk about this, I would want to, maybe can you provide a our audience a brief overview about data stacks uh, and its key contribution to the world of data management? Because today we want to talk about vector databases and productionizing. The, in the context of generative AI. So, but before getting there, I want to maybe, if you can provide a quick thought or overview about Data Stacks and its key contribution into the world of data mass database management, the data there solutions. Are, yeah,
1: yeah the, the world of data. Uh, data Stacks uh, is a company that was formed in support of Apache Cassandra. So, mm-hmm. that's one of the, our primary. Um, databases that we work on primary data management system is Apache Cassandra. Um, it It is an Apache project. So that means it's owned by the Apache software foundation, but we put an enormous amount of effort and engineering into that. And so that's how I actually got started at data Stack, I was working on the Cassandra project and <laughs> now this is my day job. Um, but um, you know, what, and, and specifically what Cassandra has added to data, the data world is a very unique offering. And I don't think it's really understood as much by people who haven't used it, but it's one of those things that once you use it, you can't stop using it. Every survey that we we have on Cassandra is, once someone understands how it works and what it does for them, that's the only database they want to use. And it's what we've, what we've built. And I'm pretty proud of this. We've built it as a community. It's DataStax is a good part of this, but it's this database that does scaling linear scaling you can just add nodes and it'll scale it does replication or like you can do global active active um data uh data workloads so and that's done all the time and then it's this resilience it's really hard to bring down a cassandra cluster um it's just built with failure in mind which pretty much is like every cloud you're gonna use is gonna fail so those three things You know, all right. If you just have a a basic core of this is what it does, um, we've built a lot on top of that. And, you know, if you look at the largest users of Cassandra, Huawei, um, Apple, Netflix, Mm -hmm. (laughs) DataStack, the company Walmart, I mean, the companies that are probably, you're probably using every day, you're doing Mm -hmm. something, rely on it because it's the most reliable database in the world. So, wow, what are we going to do with that? Everything. Um, so I, yeah, I'm very proud of what we've done there. Um, hopefully that that came across
0: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So now with the with the inception of AI, I would say I would want to say, or I would want to put it in this way, with the new innovations happening in AI and generative AI. What do you see the future of database management and the enhancements that are happening here with all these things? And how do you see this affecting the enterprises and the consumer businesses?
1: Yeah, so this is what we've uh, we've decided to do, and I think is the right, of course I think it's the right move. But what we've mm-hmm. decided to do is first of all take this amazing open source database and turn it into a very very easy service. Um, the most important thing is how fast you can put your app into production. I mean, there's nothing more important for an engineer working at a company. Um, that's important. So we've, we've built this really great Astra is our, uh, Cassandra as a service. We have this service. Now, recently we've added vector search as a core part of the database offering and what you what you're seeing now and i'm sure that anyone who does a hello world in the jna is probably something like chat with my docs or chat with my data and that's some form of using an llm with a vector database to be combined and get you reasonably like factual answers instead of having chat GPT hallucinate on whatever, but that's, you know, that's really your first, probably you're going to be your first use case. Well, you know, we've made all of that really easy to use. So, um, with the enhancements, like when, when we added it, everyone else is too, by the way, Mm -hmm. so this is vector is not an, is going to be just the table stakes feature for every database out there. Every database is adding it, but. Um, I think the future is going to be like how this application driven building applications with data, especially around gen AI is going to be a, it's just going to be really easy for developers. It has to be, or they're not going to use it.
0: Beautiful. So making the ease of use of how they can build the applications using the databases, the vector databases and other things, I think that's going to be one of the key component because that this is where I think the whole world is going Or the enterprises and the consumer businesses would love to build this much faster or leverage this uh, much faster. I would like to take one step back and now understand, I know you gave the concepts about where we are going and how we are going there. If you can broadly identify or explain to our audience, what are the typical challenges that are being faced by the customers when we are handling these vast data sets? Maybe you can talk about enterprise-level clients or even consumer business clients.
1: Yeah, those vast data sets, which everyone doesn't think they have until they have it, and then it's a huge problem, right? right, right. <laughs> and um, the, the, the typical challenge is that first is is day one versus day two problems. Um, mm-hmm. You're if you're running a, a POC on your laptop and you do something and it looks great, making the jump to production is hard, and you know that you don't understand when you go from gigabyte to terabyte to petabyte that order of magnitude change is it, it will make or break you um and even gigabyte to terabyte which doesn't seem like a lot but it is right. And it, and it's you know it's it's having to deal with that and this is why you know i think you know what we're doing with astra and just in general the industry is making people should not have to run their own databases anymore I I mm-hmm. think, yes, they are for reasons, but I don't think, and, and the enterprise uh, customers, especially enterprise users are starting to slowly realize that their business isn't running a database. Their right. business is making applications that create money for the company or, or enhance their revenue for the company. Um, running a database is just an important part of that. It's just as it's just as interesting as somebody had their own power plant at their company. Like, why don't you just go to the power company and get a wire from the off the grid? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and it, it's changing. It's you know, the typical the very typical challenge are things like security, uptime, having, you know, the staff that's trained and able to deal with it. Um, and that's not gonna go away. It's only gonna get worse with Gen AI. Beautiful.
0: Yes, I completely agree with that. The complexity is going to be increased uh, with generative AI and that is where the vector search is evolving and all. But you see a lot of these things are happening in the real world, but how do you see the vector databases evolving in this context? Because you've already Mm -hmm. touched base briefly about the search of the search capabilities or how they are evolving. Uh, any few thoughts around that?
1: Oh, several actually. <laughs> um, this is actually what I'm talking about the most right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the vector search just as to level set with everyone, you know, is is not a new concept. It's it's taking, you know, vectorizing and, uh, data, you know, is taking like running a piece of data like a piece of text and pulling out the semantic meaning of it or something like that you know that's something that like i said we did in nlp world but now Mm -hmm. it's like we're finding that that's very useful vector databases of course or vector stores um take the output of something uh, you know some sort of transformer function um and which we call an embedding which is just a long array of vectors or, or floats and we store it and it has some meaning. Well, you know, vector search is like, all right, now what are what are all the things that are similar to this thing I present to you? Like if it's a picture, what are all the similar pictures? You know, we've done that before with other other products like Google has to search. Um, you know, that's a hard problem. And it used it, Facebook kind of started this this war with uh uh with face, which is their Facebook uh, indexing system for for um. ANN and N and A and N is approximate nearest neighbor. And that was in this age of batch. And that's, I think this is what it started batch. It's like, you run a spark job, you create all the embeddings, dump them into some sort of a file system, index it using face, and then you can do reads all day on it. So it's write once, read many. Um, that worked great at Facebook when they were doing image search. Um, image. Mm-hmm. But real-time meaning I am building an application that I need to interact with my users, and they're providing me with data that I do need to create embeddings for, and ChatGPT is like an example of that. <clears throat> I type something in, and it has to understand what I'm talking about, and then reference back to it, right? It immediately. Mm-hmm. It's not like I want to say, yeah, well, whenever you run your Spark job, I would like to have an answer, and, and no one wants that. <laughs>
0: right. So,
1: you know, this is, and this is what, you know, we are trying to solve in the Cassandra world is... The same kind of real-time workloads that people expect, transactional workloads. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that you should have the same experience, no matter what data type it is. If it's a string, a float, or a vector, you should have the same experience. So, one of the, we're solving multiple problems in the Cassandra project at DataStax, and one of the big ones is concurrency, and that's I think that's a big evolution for Vector is concurrency because it is built on batch before. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, if i if I write all my indexes or I write all my vectors into the database and how soon can I read them? It should be immediate. I should Mm -hmm. have those immediately available for an A&M search. Um, But I should also be able to write as quickly as possible and not impact the read speeds. And right now Mm A lot of vector databases, especially specialty vector stores, not going to name names, but you know who you mm-hmm. are. If you start writing to the database, it will the reads will start slowing way down because it can't handle concurrency. Um, and you know this is this is what the fun part of watching where vector databases are evolving is people's trying to solve that problem. Um, right. and like right now, uh, in the uh, Jonathan Ellis, who's our co-founder at DataStax, and also uh, huge superstar in the Cassandra community, wrote his own vector indexing scheme called JVector. And just to tell you how popular that concept is, it's it was mm-hmm. the number one trending project on GitHub last week. Wow. <laughs> Everyone seemed to agree this is a problem and <clears throat> probably is still trending today. Um, and what's interesting is those data stores that had just done vector are now trying to evolve into being databases. <laughs> and I say good luck. I've been doing that for the last 12 years. <laughs> it's not an easy journey. Beautiful. So
0: I I yeah, like the aspects of how you brought this, uh, uh, how these vector databases are evolving, and how vector search is evolving in the context of JNAI. Can we get a bit more uh, elaborate? Maybe with an example of how you are predominantly trying to search, uh, trying to address a business problem. We don't need to name the names of the customers or any particular thing. But maybe if you can take a uh, typical business problem and how you are trying to address this with the help of the tools or services Stacks provides, and how maybe if we can uh, help that sure. uh, address that again for the audience. Uh,
1: yeah, I think the the current state of the art is people doing some sort of a chat or chat with my data, which is great. I mean, because right, that is right. an amazing thing. If you can bring it to your own data, that mm-hmm. is an amazing thing. And we're seeing a lot of those. Um, there are a few companies that are doing some great things with that. And the example that I would use is very simple: is um, if and I think this is actually a lot. Of, it's actually. A, going after a particular concern people have about um, generative AI right now, which is privacy. So if you have your own data or you're working with financial data in a regulated environment or healthcare data, um, uh, we have a few uh, few customers on Astra that um, they are utilizing the fact that it's, first of all, it's a private database, it's secure. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. we have all of, you know, things like HIPAA and SOX and PCI compliance, all those things that are hard, again, going back to why you wouldn't want to run your own database because all that stuff you don't want to have to deal with. But, you know, we're seeing they're using just this baseline of, okay, I have a scaling database that has all the security in it, but then they're using it for some really cool stuff for their customers. Like, um, being able to look at like with financial transactions, being able to, um, vector embeddings of transactions that people are doing in a bank um
0: mm-hmm. that was a
1: really cool use case i saw it what it did is it took all the transactions that someone had done so it mm-hmm. looked at their their ledger and said okay here's all it, it vectorized all their all their personal so this is all individual so mm-hmm. if you ragu was were a customer of this bank you could ask a question you'd say hey um let me uh tell me when i was spent too much money on fast food now that, that's a really broad question, right? Right, right. But and, and I defy you to write that SQL query. <laughs> <laughs> True. But for an LLM, it was it was it's a really cool demo because what they're said is like, oh yeah, well you ate it, uh, In and Out Burger and McDonald's. They kind of knew what you were asking, <clears throat> and you, it looks like you spent more than a hundred dollars on fast food last last month, and like and so it it it's able to answer these questions and boy. You know, ramps up the customer experience to like 10 immediately instead sure. of having to like import it into Mint and let Mint, you know, sort it out. You, know, you just ask your bank, uh, might spend too much on fast food. Now you may be able to ask your doctor the same thing and get the same answer, but um, I, I just think that basic really, and this is this is by the way, this is running an Astro right now, and it's a bank <laughs> that's doing it. Um, that just basic stuff is such a game changer for these these customers. And I, I'm just excited to see what else happens.
0: Beautiful. I, I really like the aspect or the example that you have provided about how tough it would be to write a realistic SQL query when you're trying to interact with a banking system or a transaction to pull out all this kind of information. But in the way of this natural language processing, the NLP, um, conversational text that you say that, hey, I want to find out all the information about what all kind of uh, expenses are around a, uh, uh, for my expenses in the last month about eating at fast foods and all, and getting that all information. So your, your, uh, the capabilities with data stacks that you're trying to do is that you're trying to build all this into your uh, vector search, and that is how you're pulling all this information out can we go a bit more uh, deeper into how you are leveraging ai and ml in when you are trying to enhance the data manage, database management aspect and analytics aspect here i know you are interacting directly with the system here and then you are leveraging that uh, aspect of it and you are pulling the information out could we could we talk to the audience a bit about uh, the aspects around ai ml here and how you are interacting with the Mm-hmm. Database management systems
1: here, and then pull this information out. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm assuming you want to go into like the technical details of how this is done. <laughs> Maybe at a very high level. And at, at a very high level for the yeah no
0: ICU.
1: yeah yeah no problem. Um, so this is the thing that I described, and for everyone that's listening to this, if you have not heard this word, you will hear it a million times, and this is um a pattern that's called RAG retrieval augmented mm-hmm. generation, and um there are many ways to do this, but let me just explain like how, how this, what this does. So then that example of like, Hey, did I, how much did I spend on fast food last month? Um mm-hmm. it, Go ask chat, go ask chat GPT that question. You will get a hilarious answer, right? That mm-hmm. is an example of interacting with an LLM that has no data. Mm-hmm. It has it's baked in knowledge. Um What, what RAG does is it, it takes, it uses the llm for some of the communication and reasoning capabilities but then interacting with the database to get the actual information so mm-hmm. me patrick you ragu you we have our own individual data we're not going to put that into an, into an llm thankfully mm-hmm. <laughs> um but the the data pattern that this rag pattern allows uh, what we'll do is like, we'll say, we'll ask a question around, yes, I would like to know about a certain transaction. Well, what it can do is it can use a semantic search and, and an approximate nearest neighbor search, like, um, look for things that look like fast food. Oh, here's 15 transactions that have, you know, that are related to fast food. Okay, great. And then it will bring those over It will then submit those to the llm here's actual data with Mm -hmm. the actual question and then process it and then create a natural language response and it will be patrick you spent you know you know 1500 on in and out you have a problem you know (laughs) so and i don't think that's a problem i think that's just you know my personal thing but whatever but you know it's using actual data right and so that, that back and forth, so that the data system is that source of truth again, now it doesn't always have to be uh, something in a vector database as well. Um, another concept that is gaining popularity is this idea of hybrid search, um, mm-hmm. typical term based search, um, you know, give me every single record in the database with the word, you know, McDonald's or something like that. So you can be specific if you want. Um, but. Um, or maybe you can partition some of the data, date ranges, for instance. That's a good example of say, from all of the month of August, give me all the fast food transactions. So you would partition with a normal between query, mm-hmm. and then layer the ANN search on top of that. So that hybrid search, instead of like looking at all the data on the planet, which is, could be a lot, especially if it's machine generated. Um, you can do this hybrid search. So some of those are some of the patterns and how they work. I hope I answered this question properly, or maybe you can ask me ask me to clarify something.
0: No, I think you gave it. You gave a very reasonable explanation at a high level about how you are kind of building this uh, query. I would say realistic query and bringing the information out so that you can uh, provide the end user when you're just putting a text about, hey, give me uh, my expenses that I've done for the last month going to fast food restaurants. I think that, yeah, I think the way you've answered Now, going to... So I believe uh, since you've been working uh, data stacks, I think you've given some examples like, yeah, you work with all these big vendors and all. uh, I'm pretty sure there will be different tech stacks and different platforms that you will have to integrate or run on top of when you're integrating or maybe you're running it as a service or how do you pull the information out? Can you elaborate a bit on how you're handling this and how do you make the ease of uh, handling these queries when you're working with different tech stacks and platforms around
1: it? Yeah, I love this question because this is one of my favorite things is, is this ecosystem of application tooling that's out there already uh, and it's and it's and it's really fun right now because you know we, we i think we've got settled into a, a the stacks that were out there previously but now we've had this whole new set of stacks and let me let me elaborate like LangChain, llama index both of these are really new projects and both are taking off like crazy and what they do and and so data stacks we have a really strong relationship with both companies um and we work uh, pretty hand in hand with them on a lot of integrations. The point of it is, is, that a lot of, I mean, let's face it, as a developer, your thought is I want to build my app. How can I get there? You don't say, wow, I really want to use this database. What am I going to build on top of it? No one says that. <laughs> well, <laughs> unless that's an assignment from a professor. <laughs> so uh, it's very typical that you run into this, like, okay, I need to do a, a RAG application. Well, Langchain and LOM index, Give you a very easy interface to do that. They may, and so you should be able to get a POC done within a few hours or less. And mm-hmm. our integration makes it almost there are integrations that we have with, with both that you don't have to do any data modeling. It just says when you say use an external data service in a vector store, you point it at, you just create some credentials, a token, give that token to Link Chain or Llama Index, and you say just use that your memory and it's that easy um that that to me is really cool um other things uh we have an integration with uh, Mongoose which is one of the most popular orM libraries in the JavaScript community mm-hmm. um, something like 2.5 million projects use Mongoose we have a pretty strong integration with that uh, Valery who's the maintainer for the project he's been really excited he's uh, of course, it's, it was built originally for Mongo, MongoDB. Um, and now he's added support for Cassandra and Astra. So um, you know, he's he's excited about expanding the potential use cases for Mongoose. But again, if you're building a JavaScript application, what you don't have to think about the database, you just mm. use Mongoose. Um and we have some other we have some really cool stuff that's coming. I can't talk about it just yet, but pretty soon. Um uh and you know, It's just this integrations that we're going to work with. You should expect to see us talk way more about JavaScript in the future, though, because that's where applications are built.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So the next question, I believe uh, it's going to be a little more interesting, right? I think we talk about, we see about a lot of these, uh, uh, when we talk about obviously generative AI or LLMs, the big thing that comes up is about uh, the hallucinations aspect of it. The effectiveness of, uh, the responses or the effectiveness of the solution that we are kind of providing. So how do you evaluate your effectiveness? I think when you're talking about AstraDB's performance, I think, which is built on Apache Cassandra and when you're talking about integrating or running on top of different uh, tech stacks and building into the real world applications, is there some kind of a methodology that you follow about measuring the effectiveness or evaluating the effectiveness uh, of your uh, astradb's performance and other things
1: yes and i'm i'm going to offer some new knowledge for everyone um mm-hmm. and if you've heard this before i'm sorry but you know typically for a data workload you you measure two things um throughput and latency um mm-hmm. How, how many writes per second can I do? How quick are there, you know, it writes and reads in milliseconds, hopefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's always been a great standard. Like, yes, I want a very fast single, single digit millisecond response time. The, the new number that we've, the vector search is adding is a relevancy. And that is a, that's a hard problem. Um, and, and it gets harder as the more vectors you add into the search. So right. um, that we're very proud of our relevancy scores, especially at scale. But if you're evaluating AstroDB's performance, you should take those three things into account. And um, there are, are lots of ways to improve that performance, but take the baseline. you know, do a hello world type application, but then push it. Do a lot of writes, do a lot of reads, do a lot of writes while you're doing the reads but Mm -hmm. also measure the relevance we'll we'll give you the scores that's part of the you can do a query to get the scores um and see how the more vectors you add to the system let's let's say take you know the banking example you know put in a million transactions put in 10 million transactions Mm -hmm. what's the difference between those two things how is it it's i'm saying use those kind of numbers not a hundred not a thousand because That's what you're going to run into. And if you're not evaluating your data system for reality, then you're going to be very surprised later on. And that's going to be a terrible surprise because you're going to have to move it. Don't do that. Just start with the best database at first.
0: We built (laughs) it. I completely agree with that. Uh, echo your uh, thoughts on that. Now comes to the most interesting question of the billion dollar question or the billion dollar question that I say uh, uh, in the podcast, I know there's a lot of competition out there and a lot of things happening out there and it's a lot of excitement. Uh how do you differentiate yourself uh or data stacks uh, from the competition out there?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, we're built on Cassandra and there is no more powerful, reliable database on the planet, period. it just I, if you have a dispute, I would love to hear it. It this is it. Um we built it for that and that's what it is. That's my Apache project pride coming through. Now, from a data stack standpoint, we can deliver this at a much lower cost than anybody else, which much higher performance than anyone else. And we have the the proof we can do it. Um, we're we're differentiating ourselves with just the basics of being able to run this, but we're also providing the key integrations to make it easy. So I I like to tell new developers. Start with this on day zero and by the end of your career, you'll still be happy using it. You will not have to change anything. Just trust me, this is how it works. And just, you know, start out. We have great programs for starting out. We have great startup programs. So I would say start off on the right foot and don't worry about your data.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful, I I like that i know it's an interesting conversation uh, talking about vector databases and vector search in the context of uh, generative ai and llms and how data stacks can help the competition and help uh, the customers out there sure. enterprise level or consumer level customers and businesses it's been great talking with you any key takeaways or closing remarks that you would like to provide our audience
1: yeah uh get involved in the community um i i we're all, and I, I think this is actually one of the most important things you need to know. We're all new here. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's learning as quickly as possible. Um, and I think there's only five or six people that were doing this years, like two years ago, and they all work at Google. So, or open AI. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay to be new. It's okay to ask questions. Um, you know, go to meetups, go to conferences, get on discord, you know, start working with the community and you know, reach out to me. I'm I'm on I'm on all of like Discord and ASF uh, Slack. Um really easy to find me on LinkedIn. But you know, and I'll be uh so I'm I'm program chair for the Cassandra Summit in December, December 12th mm-hmm. and 13th, where we're also co we're going to have a co um conference with ai.dev. So it's the AI developer conference. So that's in San Jose on the 12th and 13th um i would love for everyone to come see me um we can we have discount codes if you want it um san jose in december how could it be more beautiful right <laughs> but you know we're, we're going to have there's going to be a lot of people there i mean a lot of people probably thinking the same way you are what is this how is this going to affect my life for the next year or the next two years so get out there and let's let's get some community yeah
0: perfect any initial references or uh... That you would like to provide where uh the audience can go and find more information apart from datastax.com
1: or yeah, datastacks.com is always a good chance. Um we also have yeah. our uh Casio library, Cassio, Cas, it's C-A-S-S-I-O.org. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not like Casio the Watch. Um, but um there, that's a library a Python library, but it has some really good collab notebooks, um, which are great for learning and you, know, you can play around with it. Um, that sort of thing. Um, if you do a quick search on YouTube, if you're into watching YouTube, just YouTube Cassandra and Gen AI or Langchain or Llama Index, um, there are a ton of great videos, tutorials on how to do a rag application, how to set up vectors. Um, one of there's a really great video by Anya Kubo who does um she works for Free Code Camp. Uh, and Free Code Camp is gonna have a lot of tutorials as well, but it's just, what is a vector embedding? And I tell you, I learned a lot from that video too, and I've been doing this for a while. So it's, you know, YouTube is definitely your friend for sure. But um, yeah, and get on Discord, ask people what's the current thing.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. And one one last question, I think uh, I forgot to bring up uh, this. I know you've uh, authored a book. Would you like to briefly talk about it? Uh, just provide some uh, plug my book <laughs>
1: yeah yeah what yeah, is the name so, of the book uh, yeah um it's a it's an o'reilly book it's uh managing cloud native data on kubernetes um mm-hmm. it covers all aspects of data workloads on kubernetes from data search streaming and especially ai and ml um it's meant to be very prescriptive it's not just a copy and paste book there are some strong opinions i would say on Uh, And we have some very key components on on like the steps, like what you need to understand principles of running data at that, at that scale, Um, especially in a cloud environment. If you're running an Amazon, Google, both Azure, especially there and Kubernetes, I think is already kind of established itself in the, as the cloud native uh, workload running for AI. Um, And yeah, it's, I would, uh, I mean, you can, if you're on O'Reilly Learning, it's there. You can go check that out for free or basically as part of your subscription. But, um, and if you have any questions, I'm always available on LinkedIn. If you have any uh, comments or you want to know more about what's in the book.
0: Thank you. And uh, that's uh, amazing to have this conversation with you.
1: All right. Thank you, Raghu.
0: All right, so as we conclude this fascinating episode of Extra AI, I would first like to express our deepest gratitude to Mr. Patrick McFadden for joining us and sharing his invaluable insights on vector databases and their impact on production-level Gen AI. Patrick, your expertise has not only enlightened us, but also our listeners, and we are immensely thankful for that. To our audience, if you have any further questions, on AstraDB or on Vector databases in the context of production-level generative AI or any questions about data stacks, please feel free to reach out to Mr. Patrick McFadden directly. I will be tagging him on the LinkedIn post, so you can reach out to him directly. Alternatively, you could also reach out to me, Raghubanda, on LinkedIn, and I can put you in touch with uh, Mr. Patrick. As always, you can keep sending those feedback and interesting questions about any upcoming sessions to my LinkedIn handle, Raghu Banda, or my Twitter handle, X handle, RKBanda, or alternatively, you can reach out to me via my website, extraai.com, XTRAWAI.com. As you all know, there is a humongous amount of uh, episodes around AI and the applications in different domains at our website, extraai.com and we are available on all podcasting platforms. Finally, to you all, our dedicated audience and extra AI, we can't thank you enough for your continued support and enthusiasm. Your engagement is what drives us to bring forward these insightful and very interesting conversations. As we progress through the the season seven, remember that this is just a glimpse of the many more intriguing and thought-provoking discussions We have lined up for you we are committed to exploring the most innovative and impactful topics in the world of ai as we move towards the end of 2023 and also the end of season seven so stay tuned for what promises to be an enlightening journey filled with knowledge and discovery together let's end this year with a bang filled with groundbreaking ideas and transformative insights Thank you once again for joining us today. Keep pushing those boundaries of technology and thought, and don't forget to tune in for more episodes of Extra AI. Until next time, keep innovating and stay curious. Happy predicting the future with AI technologies. Thank you, and bye-bye now. And this is your host, Ragu signing off.